a great song to have in mind when we think about what we're about to listen to. I want to ask you a question. What good does it do for one person to pray? What good does it do for one person to pray? Does anything really happen when one person bows before God and talks with the Lord? Does one person praying make a difference? Yes. <laughs> I recently had a desire to reconnect with some of my cousins that I would not talked to in a long time. Three of them I hadn't talked to in years. I called them up, talked with them. One of them had moved to Florida. And when I found that out, I really wanted to get to know her better. <laughs> and then I was speaking in Knoxville a couple of weeks ago. And I found out that one of my cousins lived in the Knoxville area. And I hadn't seen her in years. She'd had a tough life. She'd gone through a divorce at an early age. Her son died of a very serious disease. And she had gone through drug rehab. She just lived a tough life. And I wanted to witness to her. And so I found out that she could come and meet us, my wife and I. And... I started talking to her and I said, Eugenia, she's 73 now. I said, Eugenia, has there ever been a time in your life where you've repented of your sins, believed that Jesus died for your sins, rose from the dead to give you eternal life, and received Him as Lord and Savior? And here's what she said. She said, you know, when I was going through the toughest time of my life, I moved to Dyersburg. That's my hometown. She said, Aunt Dorothy, that's my mother. Today would have been my mother's 89th birthday. My mother went to be with the Lord six years ago at the age of 83. And uh, she said, Aunt Dorothy took me in when nobody else really wanted anything to do with me. And she prayed for me. And then finally one night, she led me to Christ. One simple praying woman. My mother didn't have a high school education she was born during the Depression years, a child in the Depression years, on a farm. She worked from the time she was just a little girl. But one praying person brought her niece to Christ. Do you think Eugenia would say that the prayers of one person matter? When you read the Bible, it is replete with examples of the prayers of individuals that God used to perform mighty miracles. Now, I don't understand prayer. I don't understand an airplane either, but I'm going to get on one and fly to Dallas and then to Nashville. I don't understand it, don't have to, really don't want to understand it. I don't understand prayer. Why in the world would God listen to anyone like us? I don't understand it. All I know is this. When we pray, things happen that wouldn't happen had we not prayed. There are some things God's going to do whether we pray or not. There are some things God's only going to do if you pray. Some of us are going to get to heaven, and God's going to look us right in the eye and say, you left a lot on the table. There are some things I would have done 
if you'd prayed in faith. Abraham prayed and God answered by sending an angel to rescue Lot and his family out of wicked Sodom. Moses prayed and God parted the Red Sea. The children of Israel walked across to safety on dry land. Joshua prayed. Now, you ready for this? Joshua prayed and the world stopped turning. Longest day in history because a man, one man, prayed and stopped the world. I just want to say this to you. With all due respect to Moses, Joshua outdid him that day in his prayer. When God stops the world because you're praying so that you can kill the enemy. Baron Hannah prayed and the Lord gave a baby named Samuel. And everybody from Dan to Beersheba knew that he was a man of God and that his words did not fall limp to the ground. And he became the last of the judges and one of the first of the great prophets. Elijah the prophet prayed. God sent fire from heaven in a day when there were very few people of God, much less prophets. It consumed the sacrifice on the altar at Mount Carmel. And then he prayed again, and cloudless skies that had been dry for three and a half years turned dark and moist and burst forth in rain. And the, dr- the drought was devastated because it, that had devastated Israel for three and a half years was over with because rain poured down because one man prayed. Jesus prayed over a little boy's lunch and fed 5,000 men plus their families. Saul, who became Paul, prayed. And God sent him a soul winner. He did not get saved. The Bible doesn't say he got saved on the road to Damascus. He got saved when God sent him a soul winner on Straight Street. How about that? He got straightened out on Straight Street. At the house of a man named Judas. How ironic is that? But Ananias shared the gospel with him in Damascus. That's where he got saved. Because Ananias looked at him and said, Now why do you wait? Arise and be baptized. And have your sins washed away, Paul, calling on his name. He called on the name of the Lord and got saved. But he prayed for God to give him truth. And God sent him a soul winner. And I don't think the world has been the same since Paul got saved. And then the apostle Peter prayed one day. And God raised a woman named Dorcas, also called Tabitha, back from the dead. Don't tell me one person praying doesn't make a difference. The devil doesn't want us to pray because when we pray, God's power falls. Some of you right now, what can I do? I'm just one person. I'm just one person. I can't do anything. I'll tell you what you can do. You can turn into your body can turn into a house of prayer. You can be a catalyst for spiritual awakening. You say, how can I have revival? Have revival in your own heart. And then go around and just be a spigot for the living water of Jesus Christ. And everywhere you go, pour out the living water on them and pour out the fire of God on them and watch other people burn. The Bible says in James 5:16, Therefore, confess your sins to one another. Pray for one another so that you may be healed. The effective prayer of A, A, one, righteous person can accomplish much. I want us to look at the prayer life of this remarkable man named Daniel. I hope that you're getting excited about Daniel. I hope that you'll preach through Daniel. He prayed three times a day, every day. You said, big deal. Go try it. Go try it. Go try to pray three times a day, every day. Really do it. This guy was an awesome... You talk about prayer warrior... Here's your man right here. And he did it probably for 60 years. It's one thing to talk about prayer. It's another thing to pray. The power of one prayer warrior. First thing I want you to see is this. 
When you want to be a prayer warrior, number one, the devil will plot against you. Oh, he'll come against you. He hates prayer. The devil hates prayer because he knows that God uses prayer to move. And the devil tried to have Daniel killed. Look at verse 1. It seemed good to Darius. The Medes and the Persians have taken over, like I talked about today in chapel, to appoint 120 satraps over the kingdom that they would be in charge of the whole kingdom. And over them three commissioners, and then parenthetically he says, of whom Daniel was one, that these satraps might be accountable to them and that the king might not suffer loss. Here we have aged Daniel, well into his 80s, being assigned to a very high political position in Darius' administration. I want to say this to you. I don't know how old you are, but forget retirement if you serve Jesus Christ. Just forget it. Churches need to understand that we do our best ministry as we've walked with the Lord for a long time. And you need to understand that you need to be out there about your father's business until you see him face to face. Don't retire, just go higher. He was one of three commissioners and they supervised 120 satraps. Satrap means protector of the kingdom that in turn ruled over the entire Medo-Persian kingdom. From his youth, Daniel was industrious. He was a worker. He was an effective leader for over 60 years. He was effective in the Babylonian kingdom. He was effective in the Medo-Persian kingdom. He served both kingdoms with stellar excellence. He was a man who not only was a spiritual man, but he was a hard-working man. And the Bible says he soon excelled over these other two Medo-Persian commissioners. He was one of those three, and he went above the two. The Bible says in verse 3, Then Daniel began distinguishing himself, I like that, among the commissioners and satraps because he possessed an extraordinary spirit, and the king planned to appoint him over the entire kingdom. He was going to make him second in command even over these other two. Now, you know, a lot of people would just say, oh, man, I've got it made. I'm one of three. Daniel just said, I'm going to do my best. I'm not going to worry about how many are out there. I'm not trying to outdo anybody. I'm just going to do my best under the Lord. I'm going to distinguish myself because God has given me his Holy Spirit, and I want to honor my God. And I want to say this to you. We could use some of this in America. We've got people that come in late, go home early, take too long for their breaks, call in sick when they're not sick. They're just sick of work. And we say, well, we're losing jobs. Yeah, we're losing jobs. And some of it's because we've got many times people that are too lazy to work. Dare I say that? I think I just did. It's too late. It's out. He distinguished himself. How do you distinguish yourself as a worker? Oh, everybody wants to be spiritual. He was a man of prayer, but he also was a hard worker. You come in a little bit early. You go home a little bit late. You respect your employer. You actually respect your supervisor and try to make that person look good. You respect your fellow employees and you do the best job you can possibly do so that you don't have to back up to take your paycheck. And you don't expect everybody that your company doesn't owe you everything. This entitlement mentality. We've got generations coming up now that never got a spanking and they got a ribbon for just participating. That's not real life. That's not real life. Do you have this kind of extraordinary spirit? Are you distinguishing yourself in work? It won't happen unless, first of all, you spend time with God in prayer. Because when you get with God in prayer, 
He will even affect your work life. Look at verse 4. Then the commissioners, they got jealous, and Satraps began to, trying to find a ground of accusation against Daniel. You can hear the devil plotting, can you not, in regard to government affairs. But they could not find, they could find no ground of accusation of evidence of corruption. How about that? Inasmuch as he was faithful, no negligence, no corruption was to be found by him. He was a diligent worker. He played by the rules, a man of integrity, no moral, ethical indiscretions in his life, faithful, no negligence, no carelessness, no slothfulness in performing his duty, no corruption, no dishonesty, no deceitfulness was to be found in him, a man of integrity. Look at verse 5. Then these men said, we will not find any ground of accusation against Daniel, this Daniel, unless we find it against him with regard to the law of his God. We can't find a flaw in his character, so let's Does this sound like America? Let's change the laws of the land so we can condemn him, punish him, arrest him, and get him out of the way. Does that not sound like America? Let's just change the laws. Then these three commissioners, verse 6, and satraps came by agreement to king, the king, and spoke to him as follows. Now, this was the, uh, the, the, these commissioners, there, there were two commissioners that came, and I don't believe all the satraps came. There were many of them out there running. Their parts of the kingdom, a few did, though they were jealous. They spoke to him as follows, King Darius, live forever. You know, I don't think they really wanted him to live forever. Some of them were thinking, boy, if he died, I might be king. Be careful when people are always tooting your horn. It may be because they'd like to grab hold of the horn. Amen? All the commissioners of the kingdom, the prefects and the satraps, the high officials, the governors, have consulted together. That's a lie. Daniel wasn't part of that consulting. That's a lie. That the king should establish a statute and enforce an injunction that anyone who makes a petition to any god or man besides you, O king, for 30 days shall be cast into the lion's den. The Babylonians threw them in a fire pit. The Persian, Medo-Persians threw them to the lions. Now, O king, establish the injunction, sign the document, so that it may be not be changed according to the law of the Medes and Persians, which may not be revoked. Again, here's the difference between the Babylonians and the Medo-Persians. The Babylonian king could kill anybody he wanted to, anytime he wanted to, revoke any law he passed. Nothing, he was just a sovereign ruler. These people had checks and balances somewhat. Once they passed a law, even the king himself could not disobey the law. Therefore, King Darius signed the document that is the injunction. They passed a law against prayer. See what I just said? Pass the law against prayer. Does that sound like anybody you know? That's America. You can't pray at a public ball game anymore. No, that might offend 0.1% of the people there. So the rest of the 99.9% suffer because one person might get their feelings hurt. Passing the law against prayer because the devil hates prayer. The devil's always plotting. They knew that Daniel had an unwavering prayer life. They knew that if they made it illegal to pray to accept anyone but the king, that Daniel would be in trouble. He would die a gruesome, horrific death in the lion's den. Undoubtedly, all of these 120 weren't part of the plot, but enough of them were. And sure enough, the king signed it. The devil will always plot. I, I think about what's going on in North Carolina. I thank God for the state government in North Carolina and for the governor in North Carolina that stood up to some of the people that were saying we should allow men who think they're women and who act like that to go into a woman's 
bathroom. We should allow them to do that. We should allow them to go into a locker room and take showers with other women if they think they're a woman. By You know, gender is not biological, it's psychological. And we, we think even that, you know, you ought to respect a person's choice in their gender identity so much that we would even let a man who thinks he's a woman, acts like a woman, compete in women athletics. That's what the LGBT groups were wanting. And North Carolina said no. No. And now the NCAA, the NFL, the NBA are saying, well, we're just not going to have our competitions out there. No more championship games there. No more conferences there. I want to tell you something. The Southern Baptist Convention just decided, and one of the reasons I think because of this, we're going to have another SBC in North Carolina just because to support these people that need supporting. Amen. Amen. The LGBT people, we love them. We're not mad at them. But we believe that all forms of sexual immorality, whether it's heterosexual, sexual immorality, if it's fornication, adultery, or if it's homosexuality and lesbianism, it's all sin in the Bible. And we need to lovingly stand with the Word of God. Daniel was faithful. He avoided corruption. And the devil came against I want to say this to you. When they condemn us for our views, when they're not tolerant of our views, that is bullying and that is hate speech, whether they want to admit it or not. The devil is still plotting against the people of God. We've not just lost our morals in America. We've lost our minds. 1 Peter 5, 8 and 9 says, Be of sober spirit, be on the alert. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. But resist him, firm in your faith, knowing that the same experiences of suffering are being accomplished by your brethren who are in this world. Every Bible-believing, praying Christian has an arch enemy, the same arch enemy that Jesus had. His name is Satan, the devil. He was created as an angel. He tried to usurp the authority of God. He rebelled against God. God cast him down to earth along with one-third of the angels that fell from the earth. They became demons. And he is the ruler of this world, the Bible says, this evil world system. And he is... With all of his fallen angels, they are on this earth right now and they're wreaking as much havoc as they can before the second coming of Jesus Christ. And I, I'm preaching about that this Sunday, the coming of Christ from Daniel chapter 7. God will cast Satan and all of his demons into the lake of fire along with uh, all of the uh, Antichrist and his crew. But I want to tell you, until that happens, hear me, the devil will plot against praying Christians. That's why number Point number two is so important. The devil will plot, but the believer must pray. There's only one way to fight the devil. The devil's not intimidated by how many degrees you have. The devil's not intimidated by how many books you've read. The devil's not intimidated by how many you have in Sunday school, life groups, discipleship groups. The devil's not intimidated by any of that. The devil is only harmed when we pray because there's something about prayer that changes the spiritual atmosphere and he cannot fight the prayer life of a godly person.
Look at verse 10. Now, when Daniel knew that the document was signed, very certain here, he entered his house. Now, in his roof chamber, he had windows open toward Jerusalem. I'll tell you why in just a moment. And he continued kneeling on his knees three times a day, praying and giving thanks before God as he had been doing previously. Daniel knew that whatever else he did in a day, he had to spend time with God in prayer. Even if praying was against the laws of man, Daniel said, I'm going to pray because I am led by a higher law. I must obey God rather than man. Daniel obeyed the laws of Babylon. He obeyed the laws of Medo-Persia unless they contradicted with the laws of God. And when that happened, Daniel had no option, whether it's eating the king's food and, and, and going against the dietary code of the Old Testament, or if it's in this place, not praying anymore. He says, I've got to obey the law of God. So three times a day, he opened those windows and he prayed to God looking toward Jerusalem. The psalmist is one of the tell, one that tells us why he prayed three times a day. The, the Jews followed this. Many of them did. Psalm 55, 17, evening, morning, and at noon I will pray and cry aloud, and he shall hear my voice. Now, I can hear somebody say, that's a little fanatical. You know what? It's time to get a little fanatical. <laughs> it's time to get, go a little bit overboard. And I want to say this to you. I, I don't think you're going to get to heaven. And I don't think I'm going to hear, Gage, you prayed too much. I don't, I don't think I'll hear that. You know, I can handle that. I can handle that. I can handle God said, Gange, you just prayed too much. But what I'm afraid I'm going to hear is, Gange, you left a lot on the table. I would have done more if you prayed big prayers because I'm a big God. I want to tell you, it's not just prayer. It's prayer and faith, believing God for big things. I'm telling you, God, I believe, gets bored with some of our prayers. Lord, will you protect us? Yeah, I'll protect you. Well, Lord, will you feed us? Yeah, I'll feed you. Lord, will you do that? Yeah, I'll do that. Lord, will you take Louisiana for Christ? Now you're talking. Let's get with it. Let's pray big prayers to a big God. Three times a day. And then why did he pray toward the temple in Jerusalem? Because Solomon had said at the dedication of the temple in Second Chronicles 6.21, O Lord, listen to the supplications of your servant and your people Israel. And when they pray toward this place, hear from your dwelling place from heaven and hear and forgive. Daniel, who... Those who hated Daniel passed a law against his praying, pawns of the devil. They knew that Daniel would pray openly, punctually, like he always had. Look at verse 11. Then these men came by agreement, found Daniel making petition and supplication before his God. Can't you just see them right before that open, right under that open window? Like a little schoolboy tattletales. Shh, I think we're going to hear him. Oh, there he is. Do all y'all hear that? They needed a whipping is what they needed. They came. They get their incriminating evidence. And they run away to tell the king. Look at verse 12. Then they approached and spoke before the king about the king's injunction. Did you not sign an injunction that any man who makes a petition to any god or man besides you, O king, for 30 days is to be cast in the lion's den? The king replied, The statement is true according to the law of the Medes and the Persians, which may not be revoked. Then they answered and spoke before the king, Daniel, who's one of the exiles, one of those slaves from Judah, they put him down there, pays no attention to you. That's not true. That's a lie. He loved this king. He, he paid attention to this king. It's just this one thing. He, he's got to obey God rather than men. They, they said he never pays attention to your king or to the injunction which you sign, but keeps making his petition three times a day. Now, the Bible says that 
this king, Darius, got upset because now he knows that these guys didn't want everybody praying to him for 30 days because they were honoring him. The whole thing was a scheme. He had been duped. He had been used. It was just a scheme because they were jealous against their enemy, Daniel. Now you realize, I've been used. You ever felt used? Anybody out there ever felt used a little bit? Nobody, just me? Okay, praise God. You've had a soft life. All right. Then as soon as the king heard the statement, verse 14, he was deeply distressed. He set his mind on delivering Daniel. And even until sunset, he kept exerting himself to rescue him. Then these men came by agreement to the king and said to the king, Recognize, O king, that it is the law of the Medes and Persians. No injunction or statute which the king establishes may be changed. These jealous, bloodthirsty legalists would not stop until Daniel's scattered bones lay on the floor of the lion's den. They'd manipulated the king, and now, at least for the moment, the king was under their control. So the king knew he had to do what he had to do legally. Verse 16, the king gave orders. Daniel was brought in, cast into the lion's den. The king spoke and said to Daniel, Daniel, your God, whom you constantly serve, will... Himself deliver you. That's one translation. I think it's a little bit strong. I, I agree a little bit more with the ESV. The, the king declared to, to Daniel, May your God, whom you serve, continually deliver you. And a stone, verse 17, was brought and laid over the mouth of the den. And the king sealed it with his own signet ring and with the signet rings of his nobles so that nothing would be changed in regard to Daniel. The believer must always pray. I love Jehoshaphat. When I was a kid, all I knew about Jehoshaphat was that he jumped. I don't know what the deal was on that. Some of y'all get that tomorrow. But Jehoshaphat's a great man of God, one of the great kings of Judah. And one day he looked up, minding his own business, living for God, trying to glorify God, and three armies were attacking him. How many of you have been living for the Lord before and all of a sudden you get attacked? Anybody out there? Sure, you stay in ministry long enough, it'll happen. Some of you can't raise your hands because you're, you've been attacked. Amen. The Ammonites, the Moabites, the Meonites come against him. And instead of running, you know what he did? Instead of crying and whimpering, instead of going out and hiring some other armies that are pagans to fight for him, he goes to his God in prayer. Great man of God, Jehoshaphat. I won't read the entire prayer. It's one of the most beautiful prayers in the Bible. It's in Second Chronicles 20. But let me just read you the, the bottom line, verse 12. Oh, our God. Will you not judge them? For we are powerless before this great multitude who are coming against us, nor do we know what to do. But our eyes are on you. Can you think of a better time, a word to pray? I think the Holy Spirit was leading him in that prayer. And God sent a prophet named Jehaziel. Listen to what he says in Second Chronicles 20, verse 17. Thus saith the Lord... You need not fight in this battle. Isn't that great? You need not fight in this battle. Station yourself. Stand. Sometimes, guys, you don't need to fight. You just need to stand and let God fight for you. Stand and see the salvation of the Lord. Sounds so much like what Moses said to the people at the, when they were between the soldiers and the sea. Stand and see the salvation of the Lord on your behalf, O Judah and Jerusalem. Don't fear. Don't be dismayed. Fear and discouragement, the two primary things of the devil that he puts against us. Fear and discouragement. Don't be afraid. Don't be discouraged. Why? Tomorrow, go out to face them. Why? The Lord is with you. Amen. Jehovah Shammah, the Lord is with me. 
Joshua went out that day and God laid on his heart, you let the choir go first. Let the choir go first. Let them sing and praise God. Let those trumpets go and let those horns go. And you go out shouting, praise ye the Lord. His mercy endureth forever and ever. And by the time they showed up, God had already made them fight one another. They were all dead. Can I just make a statement? God knows how to fight a war. God can fight your battles for you better than you can. You need to quit plotting and start praying. Let the devil plot. You can't outsmart the devil, but you can out pray somebody else that's going through a tough time and you can see God move on your behalf. God's talking to somebody right now. For years, you may have struggled and you don't know the way out. Prayer is your way out. For years, you've yearned for the power of God in your life and you feel impotent. Prayer is the, where you get the power of God. You've wondered, is God really real? Is He capable of doing the kind of miracles I read about in the Bible? I'm tired of preaching about Him. I want to see Him. I'll tell you where you're missing it, sir. You're missing it in your prayer life. You can't just preach, you've got to pray. Like a singer has to learn how to breathe diaphragmatically before he can sing, you've got to learn how to pray before you can preach. What does it matter if you talk about God and you've never talked with God? You, you talk with God and then you talk about God and watch the difference. Watch the difference. Watch the fire of God be in your belly. Have the Holy Ghost in you so strong because you spent time with God. I'm telling you, what good is a prayerless preacher? What good is a prayerless Denominational leader. What good is a prayerless conservative? The devil's not afraid of your preaching if you don't pray. What good is it? Nothing. There's nothing there. God's talking to somebody. Luke 18, 1. One day Jesus told his disciples a story to show that they should always pray and never give up. If you will pray, God will move. If you will pray, God will answer. If you will pray, God will bless. God does not pour out His Holy Spirit on prayerless people, prayerless churches, or prayerless denominations, or prayerless seminaries, or prayerless anything. Power of one prayer warrior. The devil's going to plot. The believer must pray very quickly. The Lord will protect. Now, I'm not saying you're never going to get in trouble. I'm not saying that everybody gets off the hook. But I want to tell you, this is one of the most beautiful things I've ever read in my life. Listen to this, verse 18. Then the king went off to his palace, spent the night fasting. Now the, now the king's praying. You know, when you start praying, other, other people start praying. That's what you're supposed to be, a leader. You know, leaders lead. Did you know that? So when we pray, other people are going to start praying. All of a sudden, this uh, king said, if he can pray three times a day, I can pray all night. I believe Jesus did that. He's fasting. No entertainment was brought before him. And we are entertainment crazy in America. We need to be in prayer. We don't need entertainment right now. We need hot prayer. White hot prayer. Desperate prayer. No entertainment brought before him. His sleep fled from him. We don't need his sleep right now as much as we need the power of God. Then the king rose at dawn. There was this rule that said, if you survive an attempt at capital punishment, if you survive that attempt, then you're going free. So he runs out there at the break of day. He went in haste to the lion's den. When he came near the den to Daniel, he cried out with a troubled voice. The king spoke and said to Daniel, can't you just see this man loved this guy? Daniel, servant of the living God. Has your God, whom you constantly serve. Listen to this. There's a beautiful testimony about this guy. 
The God whom you constantly serve, has He been able to deliver you from the lions? Do you remember that old song, He is able to deliver thee? That's where it came from. Then Daniel spoke to the king, Oh, king, live forever. Don't you know that king said, Woo, glory to God. My God has sent His angel. Shut the lion's mouths. They have not harmed me inasmuch as I was found innocent before him. And also toward you, O king, I have committed no crime. Who was this angel? I'll tell you it was. It was the angel of the Lord. It was the pre-incarnate Lord Jesus Christ. And you listen to me. Jesus Christ came to that lion's den. The lion of Judah came to the lion's den and went over to the other lions and said, Nip it! He shut their mouths. Come here, flea bag. Poof! Go sit down. You got it? Leave my man alone. Poof! You, Harry, come over. We're going to lay down on you and use you for a blanket tonight. He spent the whole night with Jesus. Hallelujah! When's the last time you spent the night with Jesus? God turned the lion's den into a temple of praise. God turned this death into life. Jesus was there in the fire with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Jesus is there in the lion's den. And even if the lions eat you, He's still there. And even if the fire burns you up, He's still there. Some of you are going through a tough time. I've been through a tough time. I know what it's like, but I want to tell you something. I have never had my God forsake me, not one time. Not one time. I've turned my back on Him sometimes, but He's never turned His back on me. The angel of the Lord, the Lion of Judah, the same angel of the Lord that was with Jacob at Peniel, River Jabbok. Jacob said, I'm not letting go of you until you bless me. When's the last time you wrestled with the Lord? When's the last time, like Daniel, you nestled with the Lord? All night long. Jacob wrestled with him all night. Daniel nestled with him all night. And the Bible says in Psalm 34, verse 7, the angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him. We talked about the fear of God today. And he rescues them. Daniel feared the Lord. And Jesus came to him in the angel of the Lord. Oh, the power, the power, the power of one praying person. One praying person. A righteous man or woman. The devil will plot. The believer must pray. The Lord will protect. And then praise God. One day, either in this life or in the one to come, the wicked will be punished. Verse 23, Then the king was very pleased, gave orders for Daniel to be taken up out of the den. So Daniel was taken up out of the den, and no injury, whatever, was found on him because he had trusted in his God. Then the king gave orders and they brought those men and had, who had maliciously accused Daniel and they cast them. Now listen, these people that say, well, my, my sin doesn't bother him. Let me tell you something. The sins of the fathers are, affect the third and the fourth generation of their children. Your sins affect your descendants. Listen to this. They cast them, their children, their wives into the lion's den. They had, and, and some people said, well, these were just flea bag lions. They were just old. No, 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 no. No, don't go there. They didn't, they did not, not fight, bite Daniel because they didn't have any teeth. Oh, they've got teeth. Listen to this. They had not reached the bottom of the den before the lions overpowered them and crushed all their bones. Wicked Haman, once again, is hung on the gallows 
that he made for Mordecai. The Bible says in Proverbs 26, 27, if you set a trap for other people, you're going to be caught in it yourself. If you roll a boulder down on others, it's going to crush you instead. I want to tell you something. You attack a godly person, God's going to come after you. Don't touch his prophets and don't touch his people. You better leave them alone. And if somebody's bothering you, you had nothing to them, and they're bothering you because you're a Christian, you leave that with God. God can give more discipline than you'll ever be able to give. Vindication comes from Him. You just let Him vindicate you. You leave it alone. The wicked will be punished. The power of one prayer warrior. And then the last thing, the Lord will be praised. The Lord will be praised. Oh, Darius, you sound a lot like you sound a lot like Nebuchadnezzar after he came out of that field for seven years. Then Darius the king wrote to all the people's nations and men of every language who were living in all the land, May your peace abound. I make a decree that in all the dominion of my kingdom men are to fear and tremble before the God of Daniel. For he is the living God and enduring forever. His kingdom is one which will not be destroyed. His dominion will be forever. He delivers. He rescues. He performs signs and wonders in heaven and on earth. Who has also delivered Daniel from the power of the lions? I believe that old boy, in our terminology, I think he got saved too. I think I'm going to see Darius. A lot of people are going to be in heaven that you don't think are going to be there. And a lot of people are not going to be there. You think you're going to be there. <laughs> so this Daniel enjoyed success in the reign of Darius and in the reign of Cyrus the Persian. D.L. Moody had a successful career as an evangelist. But he was talking, preaching in Ireland one day, and he talked with an elderly man who was also an evangelist, not as well known as him, Henry Varley. And Varley said something that captivated D.L. Moody, he said, The world has yet to see what God will do with, for, through, in, and by the man who is fully consecrated to Jesus. Moody said, he said a man. He didn't say a, a great man, a, a learned man, a smart man. He simply said a man. I'm a man. And I will try my utmost to be the man of God that God can bless. I don't understand a lot of things. I went to school a long time, but that, that just means that I spent a lot of time in classes reading books. But I want to tell you what I found out after 33 years of being a pastor, preaching for 40 years. Most important time of my day is when I pray. And the greatest impact I'm going to have on this world is down on my knees. Before the throne of God. Crying out to God. A day without prayer is a wasted day. You can go the rest of your life. Talking about God. Without talking to God. But I want to encourage you not to do it. This is a conference on preaching. I get it. But you'll never preach the way God wants you to preach. Until you pray the way God wants you to pray. I, asked, I told you I was going to... I preached 39 minutes and 54 seconds. Stop it right there. 57 seconds now. 
if you would just commit to go to another level in your prayer life, would you just bow your head and do that right now? While your heads are bowed, if you've got any unconfessed sin in your life, repent of it right now. Repent means to stop it. If you've got any unconfessed sin in your life, tell God that you are sorry, repent of it, and say, God, I stop it right now. Help me stop it. And if you've not been sinning, if you've not been praying, to me... That's the greatest sin of pride because you're saying, God, I can do it on my own. Don't need you. Ask God to forgive you for prayerlessness. And just say, Lord, I want to go to another level. I'll go to bed on time. I'll quit vegging out in front of the television. I'll quit goofing off, wasting my time. I won't spend as much time on social media. Checking emails. Lord, I'm too connected horizontally. I'm not connected enough vertically. God, let me touch heaven to touch earth. Oh God, let me become well known in heaven through my prayers. God, the need of the hour is for praying men and women. Whatever else we do, I pray that we'll pray. And Lord, I pray that we'll go to another level in our prayer life. Thank you for Daniel. What a great man. Thank you for showing us the power of one praying man, one prayer warrior. Help us to pray. Teach us to pray, Lord. Teach us to pray. This is our heart cry day unto day. We long to know thy will and thy way. Teach us to pray, Lord. Teach us to pray. Living in Thee, Lord, and Thou in me. Constant abiding. That is my plea. Grant me Thy power, boundless and free. Power to pray. Power with men and power with Thee. Oh God, teach us to pray. Let's all pray that together. Teach us to pray. Say it out loud. Teach us to pray. In Jesus' name and all God's people said, Amen. Amen. God bless you. Thank you.